Right? Here's this huge crowd all around Jerusalem, and they're singing, and they're shouting, they're throwing their, their coats on the road before them, they're waving the palm branches. And, and these disciples, who, as he said, for all these three years, had been told, shh, don't tell anyone. All of a sudden, it all breaks loose. What joy. What, what a privilege. What excitement. Now Jesus has finally arrived, right? Now everything's going to change. Now this Messiah who's been laying low is going to change everything. And they're filled with this eager anticipation for what tomorrow might bring. What does tomorrow hold? They don't know what tomorrow holds, but they got to know it's something big. Three years they've been building up for tomorrow. And they're right. They're exactly right. Something big was coming just around the corner. They didn't know what it was. But Jesus did. And Jesus knew that what was right around the corner would blindside all of them. It's something big that they never could have guessed and they never could have expected. That's why... The words of John 14 that we're going to look at this morning are so important. You want to take your Bibles out, leave it open this morning. John 14, John in his gospel that we're reading together, he moves us quickly from, from Palm Sunday, from this triumphal entry to the upper room, to the Passover meal that Jesus celebrates with his disciples. And after that meal, which, again, if you're a disciple, put yourself at that meal. There's already some really curious things that make you wonder happening at this Passover meal. But after this meal, Jesus spends time talking with them and and preparing them for what he knows is coming tomorrow. Jesus knows. He knows that he is about to be arrested that very night. He's about to be condemned. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be killed. Jesus knows that right around the corner, all these disciples of his are about to scatter. They're about to be abandoned. They're about to run away from him in fear. Jesus knows that before the sun rises again, Peter, who's sitting next to him, is going to deny him three times. And Jesus knows that that in the next few days, the disciples are going to go through huge trouble and heartbreak and disappointment like they've never experienced before. And he knows not only what's going to happen tomorrow, He knows what's going to happen throughout all their tomorrows. He knows that even after his resurrection truth happens, these disciples who are going to stay faithful to him, because of their faithfulness, they're going to experience persecution. They're going to experience abuse. They're going to experience ultimately death for his sake. Jesus knows, he sees, and he knows that following him is not going to be easy for these men. And following in Jesus' footsteps will not be easy for you and for me either. Right? If you're serious about following in Jesus' footsteps, as we've been talking about this whole Lent series, right? we're, reading, we're reading through the Gospels, seeing where Jesus walked so we might follow in his steps. If you're serious about following in Jesus' footsteps in your life, then you can expect to face what Jesus faced. Right? I mean, it's, it's just foolish to believe that we, if we follow in his footsteps, we're going to end up someplace different than where he ended up, right? 
That doesn't make any logical sense. If you follow in his footsteps, you are going to end up where Jesus ended up. You're going to experience what Jesus experienced. You'll experience the same opposition. You will experience the same persecution. You will experience the same resistance and the same pains and the same sorrows that he did. Right? There's, there's a message going out in our culture today, the, the message of prosperity theology that tells you something different. The health and wealth message that tells you that if you follow in Jesus' footsteps, that's a guarantee to financial blessing. That's a guarantee to health. That's a guarantee if you follow in his footsteps, God's going to give you a bigger house and a newer car and a better job with higher pay. And, and if you follow in his footsteps, then your cancer will magically go away. And if you don't, aren't experiencing those things, you must, be, must not be in Jesus' footsteps. That's exactly the opposite of what Jesus lived. It's exactly the opposite of what Jesus taught. I think we can all agree that, that there's no one in this world who lived more faithfully than Jesus, Right? He lived the most faithful of anyone. Where did it get him? We're told he had no place to lay his head. He had no house, let alone a bigger one. His faithfulness brought him persecution. His faithfulness brought him a horrible beating. His faithfulness brought him a cross. And Jesus knew that his disciples, after seeing him rise again, as they would in just a few days, that they would respond with lifelong devotion and faithfulness to him and would be martyred as a result. And Jesus knows what you and I can expect if we choose to faithfully follow in his footsteps. Jesus gave us the promise. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say, in this world, if you follow me, it's going to be easy. He said, in this world, if you follow me, you will have trouble. And I would say that all of us here in this room, every single one of us, we've all experienced the brokenness and pain of a world that's been shattered by sin, haven't we? Being faithful to Jesus does not exempt us from the pain of this world. I would say in this room right here this morning, we have bodies that are broken and wearing out. In this room this morning, some of us here have experienced children and grandchildren who are confused and hurting and our hearts break with them. Right in this room, we have marriages that are a struggle, that are hard every day. Right in this room, some of us have parents who are distant when we needed them to be close. In this room are victims of abuse. In this room are victims of injustice. In this room are people who have dreams that are slowly dying or maybe are already dead. In this room, we have heartbreak that threatens to wreck our souls daily. It's all here in this, in this little community called Ivan Rest Church. Jesus does not promise us that following in his footsteps will be easy. But he also does not leave us to journey this path of faithfulness on our own either. Okay, knowing that, that following faithfully in his footsteps 
would not be easy for his disciples gathered around him on that night when he's about to be betrayed. And knowing that it won't be easy for his disciples, us, gathered here this morning, Jesus gives them and gives us three powerful promises. He gives these promises to anybody who will follow him in true devotion, like we talked about last week. And these are promises that will carry the disciples through the dark and confusing days that are just in front of them. There are promises that will carry them courageously through the rest of their lives of faithfulness to God. And if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, if you consider yourself a disciple of his, these are promises that will carry you through the challenges of following in his footsteps. They're promises that you and I need to hold on to tightly. Promises that will carry us through tomorrow, whatever tomorrow might bring. The first promise Jesus gives comes in in the first four verses. Listen to what he tells them. Remember, here's his disciples gathered, gathered together. He knows what's coming. And he says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Pause there for a moment. Imagine Jesus looking into the eyes of these disciples gathered around him. They don't know, but he knows that in just a few hours, their whole world is going to get blown apart. Right? In just a few hours, all of their hopes, all of their dreams are going to be shattered into a billion tiny pieces. They're going to run for their lives. They're going to see him hung on a cross and die. They're going to be left to to huddle together secretly in a, in, a, in a room behind locked doors to try and figure out what they do with their lives next. And as he has them sitting around him in a circle, he looks them all in the eyes and he declares to them, knowing what's going to happen, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. Trust. Trust me. It's trust that will counteract the trouble that's about to come your way. He tells them to trust him for the bigger picture than what they can see. He tells them to keep this bigger picture in mind through the messiness of their daily lives, through the messiness of the moments of their lives. He sets their eyes on the ultimate victory that will be theirs and shows them the kingdom that is coming. Yes, Yes, there is hurt. Yes, there is disappointment. Yes, there is pain and there's sorrow in this world, and it's real. It's the reality of your life and mine. But it's also just as true, Jesus says, that in the life that is to come, in in, in eternity that is waiting for those who accept his grace and follow in his footsteps, in the kingdom that someday will be here, It's just as true that then there will be no more brokenness. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. All things will be made new again. And that is what Jesus has prepared for each one of us, he says. 
looked him in the eye and says, that's what's waiting for you. That's what I'm going to get ready for you. It's a kingdom reality that's opened up to us through the empty cross and through the empty tomb. And that's the truth, Jesus says, that we can trust completely. The truth is, Jesus will come and rescue us. In the midst of this trouble, we hold on to the truth. Jesus is coming to rescue us. Now notice he doesn't say, he doesn't promise he's going to take away all the difficulties in our life. If you follow my footsteps, all the difficulties will be gone. Now, the disciples are still going to go through a hellish weekend. And their faithfulness in following him will still cost them their lives. But Jesus gives them this promise that will carry them through anything and everything. He promises them a peace that comes from the assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. And as you read this passage in the coming week, at the end of this long discourse, at the end of this teaching that he gives them in the upper room, he ends with the very same message. He says, I've told you all these things, three chapters worth. I told you all these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus gives a promise of peace that does not mean the absence of trouble. It's a peace that carries us right through the trouble because we know what the future holds. We know the victory that is ours forever. We know that Jesus has already prepared a place for us and he will take us there. We trust that eternal perspective. We live today with an eternal perspective that promised peace in the middle of our turmoil. You know, understandably, the disciples, as usual, don't get it. They're confused. They don't understand. And I'm kind of glad because that means Jesus keeps talking. That means we get to see the next promise that he gives. And the second promise, the first one was a promise from Jesus Christ himself, right? I'm coming to to take you home and to give you victory, to rescue you. And this next promise comes from God the Father. Listen to what he keeps on saying. Start up verse 5 with me. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. 
And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus makes it clear to them, crystal clear, again and again in that section. He says, if you know me, you know the Father. If you have me on your side, you have the Father on your side. So in the middle of the messiness and brokenness of life, Jesus says, don't forget Don't ever forget that you have the power of the God of the universe on your side. And if God is for us, Paul asks, who can stand against us? I I think too often we kind of live with this good cop, bad cop myth about God. On one side we have God the Father, and God the Father is the bad cop. He's the one writing down all the things we've fallen short on. He's the one who wants to give us the ticket. He's the one who wants to throw the book at us and punish us. That's what God the Father does, right? He wants to get us. And just before God the Father can can finally get us for all the wrong we've done, God the Son runs in. Jesus comes and says, I'll rescue you. And he takes that horrible punishment from God the Father, right? The good cop. Bad cop, good cop. Jesus says right here, that's not how it works. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen my love, then you know the love of the Father. And if my power is on your side, then know that the power of God the Father is on your side as well. Jesus dispels that myth. And he promises them. He promises us the strength that comes from the very power of God the Father to carry you through whatever brokenness this world will send your way. Now again, notice, the power of God doesn't take away the challenges of life. It doesn't take away the pains that we experience. We often wish it would. And someday, someday, when his kingdom fully comes, he will, right? But until that day, God gives us the the freedom to choose. We can choose to love him or not. We can choose to obey him or not. We can choose to follow him or not. And more often than not, we choose not. And that's where our brokenness comes from. That's where this world hurts. God is doing his redeeming work today. But until that redeeming work is done, we live with the brokenness of this world. But Jesus is telling us here, we never face it alone. We face it with the power of God Almighty on our side. And that power gives hope to the hopeless. That power gives strength to the weak. That power gives peace that truly does pass understanding. I've I've heard that again and again and again as pastor in ministry. I heard it just last week. when When I'm sitting with the family who's mourning the loss of someone they love. When I'm sitting with somebody who's, who's facing a diagnosis that's dire, when I'm sitting with them as disease keeps taking their life more and more bit by bit, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I have no idea how people get through this without God. No idea how people would ever get through this without God. 
at that moment, we are feeling the power of God given to us in the middle of our hurts. And we can stand at that moment along with Joshua. Remember Joshua in the Old Testament? He's about to enter the promised land and it's filled with giants. It's filled with nations and armies and, the, and people are going to stand against him. And God says to him, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. And he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know what giants you're facing in your life. I don't know what giants are threatening to destroy you. Whatever they are, be strong. Be courageous. God is with you in all of his strength, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. We may not know what tomorrow holds. In fact, most of the time we don't, right? We don't know what tomorrow holds. But we can be certain that it holds the power of God Almighty to carry us through whatever giant is waiting around the corner. And that confidence, that knowledge, comes through the final promise that Jesus gives us here. Jesus' third promise is the promise of, of truth and comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit, alive and moving in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. Pick it up again with me at verse 15. Just, just three verses, 15, 16, and 17. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Pause there. Jesus promises a counselor to us. That's the name given to the Holy Spirit, right? He's, He's the counselor. It was a legal term back then. Still is a legal term, right? You go into court, you have a counselor. You have someone who speaks on your behalf. Who works on your behalf? In that culture, when Jesus spoke that name, the disciples would have heard much more than that. It's not just this narrow, narrow lawyer term. In that culture, the word counselor was anybody, was anybody who helped someone in trouble with the law. Anybody who came to their aid, who came to their rescue. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing to us. We are in trouble with the law. We've broken the law. We're guilty. And the Holy Spirit comes and is our counselor. And Jesus promises the Spirit who will speak on our behalf, will speak truth. And the truth that our counselor speaks is that the blood of Jesus Christ has fully paid for all our sin. The truth that this counselor speaks is that the power of sin and brokenness will fall in the face of God's forgiveness and grace. The truth that this counselor speaks is that Satan has no claim on you and me anymore. The truth that this counselor speaks is that we are God's children now, adopted by him, and he will never let us go. He will never lose us. 
And the Holy Spirit of God speaks that truth to the enemy, to Satan who comes to lay his claim on us and says, that is no longer true. The truth is they're mine. They're forgiven and set free. And the Holy Spirit speaks that truth to you and to me when we begin to forget. Because we will. In the midst of of the pain of this world, in the midst of the suffering, and when it seems all too much, it's the Holy Spirit who reminds us of the truth when we begin to doubt God's grace. When we begin to doubt God's goodness and his love. When we begin to doubt his power. When we begin to doubt that God is really on our side, the Holy Spirit comes and says, let me tell you the truth. Let me remind you again of how much God loves you. He reminds us again that we belong in body and soul, in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit counselor who will bring us shalom, who will give us peace, who will give us wholeness in the middle of the brokenness and chaos of our world. One more verse. Maybe the key message that Jesus wanted the disciples to hear on this night. Verse 27. It's a verse spoken to them in, in that upper room. And the Spirit speaks boldly to you and to me in the midst of the messiness and the brokenness of our lives. And he says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. In our brokenness and in our pain, Jesus speaks a promise of peace, wholeness. What does tomorrow hold? I have no idea. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring to you in your life. Maybe it holds something that's going to be great joy, great success. Maybe tomorrow holds just a a regular routine Monday that's going to be forgotten like most other Mondays. And maybe there's nothing too exciting. Or maybe tomorrow holds a moment that will change your life forever. A tragedy that will break your heart. Maybe it holds one more step down the path of disease that's slowly claiming your life. Maybe it's one more loss, one more disappointment. Maybe it holds one more evidence of of a world and a life that's broken by sin. I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I do know that tomorrow holds the peace of God For those who will follow in his footsteps. And Jesus says it's going to look different than what the peace. The peace that this world promised. This world promises peace which is the absence of struggle and pain. No. God's promise of peace is that he will be there every step along the way. His promise of peace is that there's a tomorrow coming. Where where God will make all wrongs right again. And all hurts will be healed and all sorrows will be done. It's a promise that there's a tomorrow coming 
at the very next sunrise where we will meet that day with a deep conviction and assurance of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we will meet that day and face it with the awesome strength and power of God himself working in our behalf, hand in hand with him. And we will meet that day with the Holy Spirit constantly reminding us of the truth of God, of who we are and whose we are. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but we can rest assured that God knows. He knows what tomorrow holds. And there isn't anything that he can't handle. And there isn't anything that we can't work through without him. And as we walk in Jesus' footsteps, we will never, ever walk alone. Would you pray with me? Father God, you know the fears that we hold for tomorrow. You know all our anxieties, the things that we're scared will happen that might break our hearts and shatter our lives. You know all the hurts that we're living with today, the things that have happened that have broken our hearts and shattered our lives. And you know that when tomorrow starts, you will walk right alongside with us. You will not walk away from us. You will give us every bit of strength, every bit of hope, every bit of peace that can carry us through the brokenness of this world. Holy Spirit, remind us of that truth often. When we feel like we're alone, remind us of your presence. When we feel like we are too weak, remind us of your strength. When we feel like there is no hope, remind us of your hope. When we feel like everything is too chaotic, remind us of your peace. And may we never, ever forget, Father. May we never forget, Lord Jesus, the door that you have opened up to us. May we never forget the truth that there is a tomorrow coming when all these wrongs will be made right. There is a tomorrow coming when there will be no more brokenness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. Remind us that there is a tomorrow coming when those of us who walk faithfully in your footsteps will experience pure joy in your presence. Remind us that you are the one who saves. You save us from this world, from the brokenness every moment, and you save us for eternity. So, Father, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know it holds you. And we know that there's a tomorrow that holds victory for all of us. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? We've talked about pain. We've talked about brokenness. But we focused on joy. We focused on the healing and the wholeness and the power of God to get us through. So we're going to sing about joy. We're going to sing to the one who saves. The one who saves us through tomorrow and saves us for eternity. Let's sing together.